Hi, everybody. This is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say... Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. Are you awake? Whoa! Are you awake now? But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Say what? Dear God, she's going to kill us all. Welcome to the WKRP cast. My name is Donna Stair. And I'm her husband, Alan. This is a week-by-week, episode-by-episode rewatch. We're getting into the music, the trivia, and the fun of WKRP. So, fellow babies, don't touch that dial. It's time for the WKRP cast. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. Welcome back to another WKRP cast. This week, we're promoting from within. What's our episode, Donna? We're talking about Bailey's Big Break. The air date was the 10th of December, 1979. Written by Steve Marshall. The story editors were Dan Gunselman, Steve Marshall, Stephen Campman, and P.J. Tarakvi. Executive story consultant, Blake Hunter. It was directed by Will McKenzie. All right, I'm back with the sound effect. (laughs) Les is forced to hire another newsman, um news person to relieve him of some of his broadcasts a protesting less doesn't want anyone especially when andy thinks it should be bailey we haven't talked ratings or time slot in a while this fall of 1979 was a pretty stable and successful period for the show the first episode of the season for lover money part one was ranked at number 22 for that week That's the lowest spot for any episode through the first 10 episodes of this season. Patter of Little Feet would hit number six. Last week's Baby If You've Ever Wondered and this episode would both have number 14 finishes for the week. All this fall, WKRP has been enjoying a solid lead-in from MASH on Monday nights. This week marks the end of the safety of that powerful 9.30 p.m. lead-in. Next week... They move from behind MASH at 9.30 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. on Mondays. This makes them the first show of the night, which is a traditionally tough spot. This is all happening in December, which used to be a tough month for television viewership. People are busy and TV schedules are loaded up with specials. Next week's episode, Jennifer's Home for Christmas, will finish at number 20, probably because of the Christmas theme of the episode. The next week, Sparky, will slip to number 44, and the next week's God Talks to Johnny will only hit number 41 for the week. For the rest of the season, no episode will break into the top 20, except for the last one, Most Improved Station, which aired at the end of March, right before the writer's strike. We get into the episode in the bullpen. If you look through the bullpen door on the wall, we can see a poster for Sammy Hagar. This is a promo poster for his fourth studio album, Street Machine. And I recognize the poster just by the hair. (laughs) It takes up most of the poster. Sammy's always got a major (laughs) head of hair. This album was released in September of 1979. The single was called Plain Jane. It really didn't do much. The track Falling in Love is kind of interesting. It has backing vocals by Brad Delp, Barry Goudreau, and Sib Hashian. That's three of the four members of the touring band of Boston.
left of Sammy Hagar's poster, we see Duroc's poster. Since the last time we talked about the Duroc's, we found some additional and very important information. They picked the name for the group because Duroc's are a breed of pig known for having keen ears and large genitals. There you go. That's why they got that name. I bet Les knows all about the Duroc's. Probably so. Les and Andy are listening to an audition tape of a reporter, Grant Wainmeyer, who is at the scene of a fire, and we get no credit at all for whoever is doing Grant Wainmeyer. And now a special look at this episode's bandage placement for the five-time Buckeye NewsHawk Award winner, Les Nesman. This is the Les Nesman Bandage Report. Now here's Donna Stair with her report about Les Nesman. Pointer and pinky fingers, right hand. This has been a look at the bandage placement for Silver Sow and Copper Cob award-winning journalist Les Nesman. We can see Bailey and Jennifer come up to the glass doors of the bullpen. It looks as though Jennifer is trying to encourage Bailey to do something, to come on in. Bailey finally walks in, and she's holding a stack of audition tapes. Andy mentions the reporter they just listened to was pretty good. Les disagrees. He's a showboat, Andy. We wouldn't want a newsman like that around here. Andy asks, why not? There's no maturity in that voice, no authority. (laughs) Bailey approaches and tells him that she has more audition tapes. Les tells her that they don't need to listen to any more tapes. Put them on the desk here, Bailey. Les tells Bailey thanks, but Bailey doesn't leave. We're really quite busy here. Bailey finally gets the hint, but just has to make one more comment. Actually, the second cut is the best. (laughs) So Andy hands a tape to Les, tells him to play the one that Bailey liked. Les tells Andy he doesn't need help in the news department. And man, he's a little arrogant here, too. We are never going to find anyone who's good enough to work with me. Andy tries explaining to Les that he can't keep doing the news, sports, weather, traffic, and hog reports all by himself. You need help. Nonsense. Andy tells Les to just play the tape. Andy actually forgot hog reports in that list initially. He had to be reminded. (laughs) Les hits the play button, and we hear Bailey's voice giving a report, but Les isn't hearing it. Must be at the wrong speed. It sounds like a woman. Wait a minute. (laughs) The wrong speed. (laughs) Andy tells Les to be quiet so he can hear. Domestically and internationally, oil remains the number one concern. Oil schmoil. Give me a break. (laughs) Andy says that he likes her. Les is surprised, and he immediately goes on the defensive. Now, wait a minute, Travis. She's young and inexperienced, and she's a... A what? A what? A what? A what? A A woman, Les? (laughs) (laughs) We're getting that out. (laughs) Andy goes on to say that there are thousands of stations in the country with women on the air. As disc jockeys, yes. But this is news, Travis. News. Important stuff. Ooh creating a differentiation there between the disc jockey and the news person. I love the face he makes. Yeah. Les makes when he says that as disc <laughs> jockeys. Something smells bad in the room. <laughs> so Andy's leaning against the door leading out into the hallway and asks Les, what about Barbara Walters? I west my case. <laughs> <laughs> The door is open from the outside, and Andy does the greatest fall. Just the door opens, and boom, he disappears right out of frame, and Bailey comes storming in mad. I have been standing outside that door, and that is a good audition tape, and you know it. Andy gets up and comes back into the bullpen as Les is telling Bailey they're having a private meeting, and this is our third Andy hair gag this season. We We got Andy getting his hair 
messed up by Venus. And we had Andy getting in the fight during Mike Fright and getting his hair all messed up. So they're Andy's, getting their money's worth oh, yeah. out of that hair. Obviously, Gary Sandy is okay with making fun of Andy's hair. And it seems extra long this season. And I wonder if it's because of that. Is he letting it go a little bit more? I don't know. But boy, there is a lot there to play with. It really goes everywhere when they mess it up. Well, Travis mentioned Barbara Walters. Barbara Jill Walters was born September 25, 1929. She's a legendary American broadcast journalist, author, and television personality. Walters was a working journalist for 64 years, from 1951 until 2015. Walters began as a writer and segment producer of women's interest stories on The Today Show in the early 60s. In 1974, she became the co-host of The Today Show. She was the first woman to host an American news program. Known for her interviewing ability and popularity with viewers, Walters appeared as the host of numerous television programs, including Today, The View, 2020, and the ABC Evening News. In 1976, she became the first female co-anchor of a network evening news program alongside Harry Reasoner on the ABC Evening News. Harry Reasoner. Barbara Walters. Bring you the news. Good evening. Our major story tonight is that Agriculture Secretary Earl Butts has paid the price for telling an obscene racial joke on a commercial airline flight. Secretary Butts resigned today. The president accepted with regret, but immediately. Closer to home, I have a new colleague to welcome. Barbara. Thank you, Harry. Well, tonight has finally come for me, and I'm very pleased to be with you, Harry, and with ABC News. And later I'll have a chance to comment on my new duties. Walters created, produced, and co-hosted the ABC daytime talk show, The View, in 1997. She appeared on the show until her retirement in 2014. Less hints at her noticeable speech impediment. A lot of comedians have taken shots over the years, but none more memorably than Gilda Radner. Radner's Baba Wawa impersonation on Saturday Night Live was devastatingly hilarious. Hello, I'm Baba Wawa, and welcome to Baba Wawa at Wodge. We are indeed lucky to have as our guest tonight the greatly respected and world-renowned creator of shuttle diplomacy. Sometimes controversial, but to my mind, a really regular guy. <laughs> Secretary of State, Dr. Henry Kissinger. It featured her idiosyncratic speech with its rounded R. What did the real Barbara Walters think of the impersonation? I hated the Gilda Radner, uh, Gilda Radner, Bawa Wawa, until I walked into my daughter's room one night, and she was up watching it. It was a Saturday night. I said, what are you doing up? And she said, I'm watching Bawa Wawa, Mom. And I said, well, I mean, how, you know, look what she's doing. And my daughter said, oh, mommy, lighten up. I did. Walters is retired, finally. She worked until the age of 86. Her final on-air interview was with presidential candidate Donald Trump for ABC News in December of 2015. I feel this big because I I retired at the age of 54, so... Les sits on the edge of the DJ's desk, and he begins to lecture Bailey about how a news reporter should sound. A voice doing news on the radio must be rich and full, with mellifluous, rounded tones. It must be... It must be, uh... 
man's voice. A man's voice. I'm telling you, Les is the last guy to be pushing this voice quality topic. Bailey tells Les that Andy liked the tape and she wants the job. How about it, Les? Over my dead body. Andy tells him all right and begins rolling up his sleeves. Andy tells Les to stand still and not to squirm. <laughs> I think Les was really a little worried there, yeah. leaning back over the desk. And as Andy's about to take a shot at Les, we're into our theme. WKRP in Cincinnati. We come back from the commercial break in the bullpen. Art is talking to Bailey while Andy and Herb are listening in. Oh, Bailey, you've shown real determination. I'm proud to have you a member of the new staff at WKRP. We hear the slamming of a drawer, and we see Les not looking very happy. Bailey tells Art thank you and shakes his hand. Jennifer enters the bullpen to deliver everyone's paycheck. She hands Bailey hers. Congratulations, Bailey. Thanks. I'm sure with your new responsibilities, that paycheck will just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Jennifer. I think I hear the phone ringing in the lobby. What are you trying to do with me? We seem to move from nipplegate to boobgate. Jennifer's boobs in this scene are about to pop right out of her dress. This appears to be a matter of fighting fire with fire. WKRP had to compete with the Daisy Dukes over on the Dukes of Hazard and Charlie's Angels in the primetime, the decision seems to have been made to flash some ma'ams here. Ma'am flashing. <laughs> Andy calls out to Les, but Les does not respond. It's as if he doesn't hear Andy. He's in his office. Yeah. So Andy walks over to his door and goes through the motion of knocking as he says, knock, knock. Les tells him to come in. Andy opens the door and walks into Les's office. Andy leans down by Les's ear, which I think is trying to say this a little quietly, but also it seems a little threatening. Show Bailey the ropes. Answer any questions she has. If that's an order. Andy thanks Les for his cooperation and walks out of the office, but he forgets to close the door. Door. <laughs> Andy turns, reaches for the door, and pulls it shut. I think it's great. All of them know that that uh, Les's door opens in yeah. to his office. They all know that. Yeah, and, and we do too. Herb stands up from his desk when Johnny asks him a question. And Woo, it's, it's time. time. Herb Darling, fashion alert. Herb is wearing a diagonal plaid green, blue, and white jacket, black, blue, and white striped tie, a white dress shirt with gray stripes, blue polyester pants, white belt, and white shoes. The jacket is amazing. Ooh. Rich the Wiz Wisniewski and I both noticed Herb's coat pattern looks a lot like multi-scale camouflage. That's the stuff we started using in the desert. They sometimes call it fractal camouflage. The pattern is generated by computer, and it looks pixelated, and it looks a lot like Herb's coat. Herb? Yeah? Want to uh, flip for paychecks? <laughs> really? Are you serious? Yeah. Well, I didn't really mean it. Call I it. The catch. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't hesitate. <laughs> Herb slaps the coin on the back of his left hand, lets out a little ah, and without showing the coin to Johnny, takes the check from Johnny's hands and walks out of the bullpen. <laughs> Johnny just sits there for a minute, kind of stunned, then takes his coffee mug and 
walks out the door closest to his desk. Johnny thinks this is a legit deal they just did there. <laughs> For some reason, he really thinks he's lost. I thought he was going to get up and chase Herb out of the bullpen, but he just accepts it. You don't think he backs him against the wall later to get I, it back? <laughs> no, he's asking everybody else for money. He's okay. lost his paycheck. <laughs> so Bailey walks over to Les's door, and she says, knock, knock. Les ignores it. Les, could I please come in, please? You may. Bailey begins to say something, but she's cut off. Les tells her, Andy asked him to show her the ropes, so he's going to do it, and he's only going to show her once. These are the ropes. Typewriter, teletype, police scanner, police code, Buckeye News Hawk Award, four more Buckeye News Hawk Awards, and the coveted Silver Sow Award. Les then goes on to explain the format of his new show. Whenever possible, I always try to lead with the hog futures. Particularly in the morning. Bailey asks why. That's what people are interested in. So as Les is explaining the format of his news show, he is stroking his Silver Sow Award in what we consider to be a somewhat disturbing manner. Yes, he's got with his bandaged pointer finger. Yeah, he's he's got this manic Bond villain look (laughs) in his eyes, and we're not comfortable with where he's rubbing. (laughs) Bailey asks what happens if there is a big story breaking in the news. Les tells her that there will always be exceptions. For instance, when President Richard Milhouse Nixon resigned, I led the news with that story. <laughs> Looking back, I think I made the right decision. We talked a lot about Tricky Dick Nixon during Carlson for president. Richard Milhouse Nixon was born January 9th of 1913. He died April 22nd of 94. He was the 37th president of the United States, serving from 1969 to 1974. In the final days of his term, it was a near certainty he would be impeached and removed from office over the Watergate scandal. To avoid impeachment, Nixon resigned the presidency on August 9th, 1974. His Oval Office resignation speech was carried live on radio and television. Nixon became the only president to resign from office, so carrying his resignation as the lead story, probably a good idea on Les's part. (laughs) (laughs) One of the biggest things to happen in the entire century. Yeah, probably a good idea. So Bailey tries to talk to Les, but once again, she's cut off. I have to do the noon news report now. Excuse me, Bailey, you can uh, change the ribbon on the typewriter or look the teletype machine, whatever you please. Bailey asks Les, when is she going to go on the air? When you're ready. Bailey wants to know if it's going to be soon. I'll know. Trust me. <laughs> Les just ends the conversation by leaving the bullpen and heading for the studio. Les isn't going to make it easy for no. Bailey. Venus and Herb enter the bullpen. And I do want to say I like Venus's jacket. <laughs> it's got uh, sequins and, and all like kinds stars. of... It's shimmery. I love it. We hear the end of their discussion. Herb is following behind Venus. Don't worry not. You rather like a fool. Herb nods his head up and down until Venus turns to look at him. And now Herb is shaking his head from side to side. Venus sees Bailey and congratulates her. She tells Venus thanks. Not quite as enthusiastic about thanking Herb. Thank you too, Herb. Thank me. I'm against it. Bailey tells him she knows and asks him if it's because she's a woman. 
Herb shrugs his shoulders, not wanting to answer. Bailey comes over and confronts Herb. She stands with her hand on her hip, facing Herb. Did you know that it's against the law to discriminate on the basis of sex? Herb turns in his chair so that he is facing Bailey, which brings us to... The line of the episode. I do everything on the basis... (laughs) ...of sex. I love the way Herb waits for the laughter to die down before he finishes that last line. And, you know, a lot of sitcoms get hit with the accusation that they add laugh track, they put in laughter. This is very definitely an illustration of the fact that WKRP had to deal with laughter. It Herb was had to wait. Yes. He had to wait until the audience died down. And that just shows how professional Frank Bonner is. He waited let it die down, and he still finished his line. And delivered it. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) Venus is sitting at the DJ desk. Mr. Macho. Herb turns to look at Venus. He's not really sure, but he'll take it. You know, Venus, I'm I'm not real sure I know exactly what macho is, but whatever it is, I'm it. We looked up the word macho. Macho is an Americanism taken from the Spanish. It was first used as a noun in 1928. Macho comes from the Spanish word meaning male animal. As an adjective, Norman Mailer used macho in 1959 to mean ostensibly manly and virile. We now go to Carlson's office where Mr. Carlson is sitting with his feet up on his desk listening to Andy defend his wearing of denim to work. And so with denim, I feel comfortable and relaxed. I feel as though I can work better. Carlson asks Andy if other program directors dress like that. Some of them. Not a little confining. Head is right at Andy's yes. crotch. His crotch level. And those are some tight jeans he's yes, wearing. Yes, yes, very so tight. I can see that confining bit. <laughs> so Bailey enters the office. She is not happy. Mr. Carlson, promises were made to me when you said that I got that job. That meant the whole job. Hello, Andy. Les comes in right behind her. Chain of command, Bailey. Chain of command. One does not go above one's head in order to speak to a bigger one. A bigger one what? A bigger head? Bigger head. Bailey explains to Mr. Carlson (laughs) that for three days she has changed ribbons, sharpened pencils, filed stories, rewritten copy, and any other silly thing that Les asks her to do. There is nothing silly in the news. (laughs) (laughs) Bailey continues saying she just wants to know when she can go on the air. Well, Travis asks Les if all of this is correct. Les tells Travis that in the news game, everyone has to pay their dues. I'm bringing her along slowly. And that he'll know when she's ready. Andy says he thinks Bailey is ready now. He asks Mr. Carlson if he agrees. Carlson says mm, he thinks there's an idea there. No, there isn't. And Les starts to leave the office. Mean of living. <laughs> he can be a little mean fella. Yes, he can. So he turns to come back into the office when Andy says... As a matter of fact, Les, I think Bailey should do the 6 o'clock wrap-up tonight. Andy tells Les to let her do one night just to see what she can do. Absolutely not. Andy starts to argue with him but gets cut off. As news director of WKRP, I will not allow us to compromise our high standards of journalistic excellence. Andy tells Les that Bailey is going on tonight. Les says that she is isn't. 
A little back and forth ensues between Andy and Les. No, she isn't. Yes, she is. She isn't. She is. Isn't. Is. They're standing on either side of Bailey when they do this, and Bailey's head is going back and forth from Andy to Les as they argue. Looks like she's watching a tennis match. Well, Andy thinks that he's won after his last is, and he starts to turn away when Les gets in one last isn't. <laughs> that felt so much like we were on the playground in elementary yes. school. So Andy looks at Art and asks him where he stands on this issue. The buck's got to stop somewhere. Man can't stand the heat. He shouldn't go in the kitchen. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Art throws out a bunch of quotes and walks out of his office. <laughs> he just starts kind of reciting phrases, leaving Andy Bailey and Travis looking at the closed door. He's gone. One of the quotes that Art uses is, the buck stops here. That is a quote that was used by Harry Truman. He also has another Truman quote, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And then when the going gets tough, the tough get going, seems to have come from American football. The earliest published sources are from the 1950s. So we follow Art out into the lobby where he walks over to Jennifer's desk. Jennifer is reading, get this, Monetary Policy in the United States by Thomas Mayer. Mayer was an Austrian-born American economist at UC Davis. He also taught at UC Berkeley, among several other U.S. universities. Mayer wrote a number of books on monetary policy, but none of them are easy. Jennifer is reading his most popular, but it's still pretty heavy. So Jennifer is not a dumb blonde. No, definitely not. Carlson leans on Jennifer's desk. He looks around to make sure nobody is listening. Daily quarters. Right. Know the situation? Roger. On the air or off? On. Uh-huh. We never had this conversation. I don't remember it. He walks back into his office, and he addresses Andy, Bailey, and Les. I've given this a lot of thought. <laughs> really struggled with this one. Hey, who's getting whom? I lost weight over it. <laughs> but the bottom line is, Bailey goes on. Les does not say a word and just walks out of the office. Bailey's excited. She thanks Andy and Mr. Carlson, and she runs out of the office, calling after Les. It's tough at the top, Travis. I love how Art relies on Jennifer to know everything that is going on in the station. That's he knew, why she makes the big bucks. Well, he knew she would know, so he just headed right out there. Yeah, not only she would know, but she would know what to do. Yeah, she's got mm -hmm. the answers. So we transition into the studio where we see Venus getting ready for his shift, which includes taking a bunch of candles out of a box and <laughs> placing them around the studio. We've got his yin-yang gong in the background. He also has a mug with the yin and yang symbol on it. In the background, we can hear Nobody Knows by Ashford and Simpson. Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson were an American husband and wife songwriting and production team and a really dynamic recording duo. In 1966, Ashford and Simpson joined Motown, where they produced some of their best-known songs like You're All I Need to get by. Ain't nothing like the real thing. And reach out and touch somebody's hand. Rolling Stone ranked the duo at number 19. 
on its list of the 20 greatest duos of all time. Nobody Knows hit number 19 on the U.S. R&B charts in 1979, but it didn't place on the Hot 100. Got to do a quick poster watch on the door. There's a cutout of Blondie at the top there. It looks like it's been taken from a poster, the Eat to the Beat album, which was the fourth studio album for Blondie. This album was released in September of 1979. Two singles from this album were Dreamin', and Atomic. Atomic peaked at number one in the UK, but only hit number 39 on the US Hot 100. Dreamin' peaked at number 27 on the U.S. Hot 100. Venus is announcing that it's coming up on the 6 o'clock hour and soon time for the news. He encourages his audience to keep listening. After that, you got old Venus sitting here playing magic music all night long. So uh, stick with us, my children, and don't watch television tonight. All that's on is a movie called Portrait of a Teenage Runaway Sex Crave Hustling Housewife. <laughs> Strangely enough, it's not very interesting. And I love that Venus is telling people to not watch TV on TV. <laughs> so Travis and Bailey enter the studio. Bailey has a yellow copy of news feed from the teletype. Venus asks her if she's ready. Bailey says she's feeling a little edgy. Venus starts the intro for the news when Bailey has a little bit of a second thought. Wait a minute. What? I'm going to faint. What? No. No, I'm fine. Nope, she's okay. (laughs) Venus starts the tape that leads into Les's news report. It goes on and on and on. (laughs) Bailey gives the headlines and then goes into a coffee commercial. Details right after this. More coffee, Harold? Why, thanks. That's funny. He never wants another cup of my coffee. That's because your coffee stinks, (laughs) Harold. She turns the sound down and asks Venus and Andy how she's doing. They're both telling her she's doing great. Just relax and then don't be nervous. Right. And no fainting. Venus freaks out a little bit, showing how <laughs> nervous he is for Bailey. The commercial's over! The commercial! No, it's not. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> so he apologizes. And I don't know what he was looking at there, if they have a countdown timer on it or something. There was some way he was able to look at the cart deck. Oh, well, and he was pointing at yeah, it. Yeah, and know that the commercial was over. So Bailey just calmly continues with the news. She is very calm. She doesn't act nervous at all when she's in there. Like a pro. And especially having Venus freak out right over your shoulder there, that's going to make you a little nervous. Well, now we go to the bullpen, and Les is getting ready to leave for the day. He's the only one in the bullpen. He has the monitor on, and he's listening to Bailey doing the news. Jennifer enters the bullpen just as Les voices out loud, No harm reports. Oh, Les, all the farmers are probably tucked away in their little beds by now. Six o'clock, farmers are already in bed. (laughs) Yeah, it's dark outside. Les is still shocked that there were no hog reports. 
Jennifer tells him that Bailey sounds so polished and, oh boy, she's going to be a great help to him. So back in the studio, we've got Bailey continuing with the news report. Andy and Venus standing alongside. A highly placed presidential advisor denied that he once shot heroin with a group of Hell's Angels. Didn't find anything along those lines as an actual story, but I was curious if that was prompted by anything. So Venus and Andy both bend over Bailey's shoulder to check out the news copy. Bailey continues. And in Philadelphia, Archbishop Carmel was arrested again. And we get another Philly joke. The ongoing season two Philly joke continues, and now we've got Bailey in on it, too. In Philadelphia, thousands frightened. In Philadelphia, four dead. In Philadelphia, local fighter nearly beaten to death. Back in the bullpen, Les turns the volume down on the monitor. No hogs. Well, we'll see about that. Yes, we certainly will. Well, he is not happy. He puts on his hat and he leaves the bullpen. Continuing to sound like a Bond villain. No hogs, we'll see about that. We transition to the next day in Art's office. Herb and Les are sitting on the couch. Andy is walking around talking about Bailey's news performance while Art sits at his desk. She was concise. She was articulate. Totally prepared. Professional. She was uh, She was very smooth. Carlson tells Travis that he's tired of meetings. He wants a day or two to be alone. But Travis tells him, no, they need to get things straightened out. Why? Why can't events run their natural course? Times overwhelm men. Events are racing just beyond man's grasp. The center cannot hold. Am I making sense? None. Then let her talk. <laughs> Carlson is throwing out a lot of quotes here, but we did catch a line from the W.B. Yeats poem, the second coming. It's the one that contains the line, the center cannot hold. I think he's using other lines from other poems there, but I couldn't identify them. No, we they're did, so mixed up. Yeah, we did come up with the Yates. So Herb thanks Carlson and continues to support Les as though he is his attorney. The long and the short of it is that my buddy, Lester Nesman, is getting a raw deal. I hate that expression. Will you shut up? Although I don't think my attorney would tell me to shut up. I, I hope he wouldn't. <laughs> shut up. So Herb uses the term raw deal, which Les doesn't like. Raw deal is an expression that originated in the United States in 1911. Raw, in this case, means crude. In a 1912 Canadian dictionary, they identified the term as being American and defined it as meaning a swindle. Andy tells them all that Bailey has shown her skill and ability and thinks she should have three or four newscasts of her own each and every day. What? 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 Carlson, Herb, and Les are all surprised at Andy's remark. What? 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 Yeah, but Les is really upset. Yes. Les asks Andy if Bailey's reports are in addition to his ten reports. Andy explains he thought Les could give her two or three of his reports. I'm not asking for any of the ones that you think are gems. But... They're all gems. <laughs> They're all gems. <laughs> and Herb tells Andy that Les is bleeding inside. This is tearing him apart. Bailey enters the office and she apologizes for being late. She was on a phone interview. 
Les asks who she was interviewing. Ted Kennedy. There's no response from anyone. Carlson just asked Bailey to sit down. She was interviewing Ted Kennedy. (laughs) Ted Kennedy is the younger brother of John F. and Bobby Kennedy. He served as a U.S. senator from Massachusetts for 47 years. In August of 1979, he was the overwhelming favorite to secure the Democratic nomination for president. Kennedy was on the verge of declaring his candidacy for the 1980 election when he sat for an interview with CBS newsman Roger Mudd. Mudd asked a simple question. Why did Kennedy want to be president? Teddy responded with a rambling, incoherent non-answer. He mangled his answer so badly. It's considered to be what completely torpedoed his chance at the presidency. So Bailey throws this out like it's nothing, but interviewing Ted Kennedy at this time would have been a huge get for any news person. But it doesn't seem to have an effect on anybody in the office. Hey, this is Al calling from the future. This one has been bothering me. Maybe they're making fun of the fact that Teddy Kennedy would be a huge interview. But I was wondering, he blew it so badly in August of 79. Is it possible that by fall of 79, this might be a joke saying he's such a nobody now, he'll even talk to WKRP? What do you think? Get on our Facebook page. Let us know about it. Okay, now, back to the past. Well, Bailey sits on the opposite end of the couch from Les and crosses her legs. Hi, Les. Hi. Les slams the door. Little temper tantrum here. When Bailey sits, her legs become prominently featured in the frame. This looks like more TNA-style programming, trying to catch those men 18 to 35. Yeah, first the boobs, now the now legs. Now the legs, yes. Andy tells Bailey that he was just telling Mr. Carlson what a fine job she did last night. He goes on to tell Bailey that she will have... Two newscasts of your own each day. Andy then begins negotiating with Les as to which time slots to give Bailey. He asks Les about the 8 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 2 p.m., Les shoots them all down. Well, Les, you're going to have to give up something. Les is very upset and excuses himself. Andy asks Les to please try and be big about this. I'm sorry, Andy, but this is as big as it gets. (laughs) (laughs) He leaves the office. Carlson holds up a paper airplane. Anybody here flown the Concorde? So he's really into this discussion. And that's a good-looking Concorde he made there. The, yeah, he did. He did a nice job on that, but it didn't fly very well. Now, the Concorde was a British Airways supersonic airliner. It was one of only two commercial supersonic planes in the world. The other was Soviet. It went into operation in January of 1976 and flew for 27 years. The Concorde flew at twice the speed of sound, Mach 2.04, with a cruising speed of 1,350 miles per hour. A Concorde could seat up to 128 passengers. The Concorde could get from New York's JFK Airport to London 
Athens Heathrow Airport in under three hours. The fastest recorded time was two hours and 52 minutes. It set a record for going around the world in 32 hours and 49 minutes with six refueling stops. Now we go to the studio hallway where Johnny and Jennifer are standing in the doorway of the studio. If you listen very carefully, you can maybe hear... Neil Young playing in the studio as Jennifer and Johnny are talking. It's my, my, hey, hey, the out of the blue cut. This is part one of a two-parter. When you combine out of the blue with its hard rock counterpart, hey, hey, my, my, into the black, you get the bookends for Young's 1979 album, Rust Never Sleeps. My, my. This is a very influential song, and it even appeared in Kurt Cobain's suicide note. He quoted a line from the song. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Johnny is standing in the door of the studio asking Jennifer if he can borrow $30, $40 till payday. Forget it. Johnny tells Jennifer he is starving to death, man. He flipped for paycheck. <sighs> We have talked about this before. I do not lend men money. It makes them weak. (laughs) Jennifer asks Johnny what happened to his paycheck. I could never explain it. Johnny goes into the studio and closes the door. He doesn't want to get into it. So Bailey comes from the end of the hallway towards us. She asked Jennifer if she heard her on the air this morning. Jennifer tells her she did, and she thinks Bailey's getting better and better. Jennifer asks Bailey how Les is doing. He's been just terrible, but I am not backing down. If he wants to fight me, I am going to fight back. We noticed a little bit of uh, some changes in the posters on the wall. We've still got the Yolanda McCullough and Chopper posters. They've put two posters on top of these, but at an angle. The one on the left is the promo poster for Led Zeppelin's eighth and final studio album, In Through the Outdoor. It was a huge commercial success, hitting number one on the album chart its second week. Well, there's a light in your eye that keeps shining Like a star that can wait for a night I hate to think I've been blinded, baby What can I see tonight? Hopefully they weren't counting on getting any promotion from WKRP because Lonnie is standing in front of it nearly the whole time they're talking. Right between Bailey and Jennifer, we see a poster that says... It's time to get hooked on Platinum Hook. Platinum Hook is the name of a band. Platinum Hook was an American funk band formed in 1976. This is a promotional poster for their second album called It's Time. Platinum Hook never had huge commercial success, but they were famous for being a great live band. They had a residency at New York's Cellar Club from 1977. Jennifer asked Bailey not to be too hard on Les. He's just a sweet person. I will try to be as patient and as nice as possible. Bailey and Jennifer walk into the bullpen and find Les at Bailey's desk going through her papers. He's tossing them onto the floor. Hey, Buster, what the heck is going on here? Les tells them that his sports update is missing. Bailey tells Les that she has the update. She thought she'd just go through it and proofread it. No one has to proofread my copy. Tempers are on the edge, and Jennifer is just trying to keep 
the piece. Now, come on, you two. Let's all be friends. Haley tells him it didn't make any sense. It is a swimming meet, not a swim meeting. Right, Jennifer? Les and Bailey look at Jennifer waiting for her response. Uh, I think it probably could go both ways. So she's riding the fence. Bailey continues. And reporting <laughs> that the swimmers swam in water is a bit unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know. And it is the breaststroke less, not breaststroking. <laughs> that does sound wrong. <laughs> yeah, that does sound wrong. That's wrong. Very, very wrong. Les looks embarrassed and he admits, yeah, that was wrong. He thanks Bailey. You're right. I'm wrong. It's not very good reporting. Well, Bailey tells him it's just two different interpretations. Les says that he wishes that it were, and he starts to leave. He turns just before going out the door. Thank you, Bailey. Guess you saved me from making a fool out of myself on the air. I really think if I lived in Cincinnati, I would never miss a Les Nessman newscast. <laughs> no. They've got to be interesting. Very entertaining. So Bailey's feeling bad. Jennifer tells Bailey he'll get over it. As long as you have known Les. Have you ever known him to get over anything? No. Now we're in the studio. Les is at the mic. He is signing off from giving his news report. So this is Les Nessman saying good day and may the good news be yours. I'll be back at noon with... I'm sorry. I'll be back at two. I don't know when I'll be back. Real cheery, Les. Les tells Johnny that he has trouble in his life. Yeah, yeah, sure. You got enough money to feed yourself? Sure. Well, I don't. Could you loan me some money? Les shakes his head and opens the door to leave. Doesn't Johnny still owe Les five bucks? I, he's probably lost count of what he owes everybody. Well, Les has the ledger. That's he, he true. Knows what, he knows what everybody owes him. So on the back wall just to the right of Les, covering up part of that Cincinnati map, we find a poster of Smokey Robinson. It is a promo poster for Smokey's 1979 album, Where There's Smoke. This album contained the single Cruisin'. It hit number four on the U.S. Hot 100 in October of 1979. So Les leaves the studio, walks out into the hallway, and he sees Bailey sitting on the window seat. Bailey tells Les that she's been waiting to talk to him. She has an idea. Has it occurred to you that WKRP needs only one news voice? I mean, you know, so that the listeners could better identify it. Les turns and walks away from her, heading into the bullpen. Oh, sure, sure. You'd like that. He really thinks she's wanting to become the voice of news on WKRP. I think that's Les just being very tragic and feeling sorry for himself. Drama king. Yeah. So Bailey runs after him, explaining she didn't mean her, she meant him. Last asked her what she means by that. Well, I've been thinking about what I want to accomplish in this business, and I don't think news is where I want to be. He wants to know more. What is she saying? Travis comes into the bullpen. Hi, you news people. You know, he's pretty excited about Bailey joining in the news team there. Yeah, and he really worked to get her there. I'm saying that I quit, Liz. What? That's right, Andy. 
Travis tells Bailey that he stuck up for her on this one. Uh, now, mind your own business, Andy. Uh, she knows what she wants. <laughs> Les says, no, no, let her go. Yeah, let her go. Yeah, Les is it's going my way. Stop messing it up, Travis. Andy looks at Bailey and asks her if she really does know. Bailey tells Andy that being a news reporter is not what she wants. What do you want to do? Do you want to see her at this desk and, and, and schedule commercials the rest of your life? Bailey tells him she's interested in upper management. <laughs> what do you mean? You want Carlson's job? No. I thought I could have yours. Les <laughs> is loving this. He turns to look at Andy and then back to Bailey. You'd be very good at it, Bailey. Now look here, Les. Uh-oh. Now, shoes on the other foot. Andy is not happy. He has lost control here. You heard the lady. Yeah, I heard the lady. And I've also watched you do everything you could do to break your spirit, and I don't like it. And I don't like you giving up, Bailey. Now, if you'll both excuse me, I... I, I, I gotta go bowling. It's just one of those things I can't get out of, you know? I can't get anything done around here. And Andy leaves the bullpen. Now, I know you weren't too happy about his line uh, that he's gotta go bowling. I think he really has to go bowling for some reason that we didn't find out why. You were just thinking he's using bowling as an excuse to get out of this conversation. Well, just the way he delivered it, he's like... You know, I, I've got to, uh, and his eyes are darting left to right. And then he finally says, I've got to go bowling. But I he felt, it felt so frustrating when, or he, he felt so frustrated walking down the hall saying, I can never get anything done around here because he's got to go bowling. And I'm just wondering if there's really a bowling date no. in his life. No, I think you're reading way too much into All it. Right, well. He was feeling threatened and wanted to get out of there. So let's ask Bailey if she's sure she's not just doing this for him. She says, no. You're sure. Sure. I'm sure. And there's that word sure right. again between men and women. We run into that one all the time. <laughs> Les says okay and opens the door to his office and walks in. Bailey continues standing for a moment, then says okay and heads towards the door to leave. Les stops her. One other thing, Quarters. Oh, come on, Les. I want you here at 8.30 in the morning. You're going to continue to do two newscasts a day until I decide you can do more. You got that, Quarters? I got that, Nesman. Aw, Bailey's on the verge of happy tears. <laughs> Les sits at his desk and smiles. Better hit the road then, kid. News people don't like sloppy emotional scenes. Bailey smiles, waves to Les, and heads out the door. Les sits at his desk, takes his glasses off, and he reaches into his pocket and pulls out his handkerchief. Credits begin to roll as Les is holding the handkerchief to his eyes. That cold-hearted newsman has a heart <laughs> after all. So that's it for Bailey's Big Break. That was a fun one. What's up for next week, Donna? Jennifer's home for Christmas. Christmas is coming up and everyone at the station is anxious to leave and start their holiday plans. Everyone that is, except for Jennifer. Jennifer seems as if she has no holiday plans and is dismayed that the rest of the staff doesn't want to celebrate Christmas as a family. The gang joins together to give Jennifer a warm Christmas. That's going to do it for this episode of the WKRP cast. If you'd like to watch along with us, make sure to check our show notes and find us on social media. You can follow our Facebook page at WKRPCast. Got a question, comment, or correction? Let us know about it. Write us, WKRPCast at gmail.com. And remember to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bye. May the good news be yours.
WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shot Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP in Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders. Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger!